0: Well, good morning. You know, the one advantage of being online today is with the service time change, if someone forgot about it, they'll be early or late and we won't know about it. <laughs> Whereas me maybe in a few minutes you see someone sneaking in with a horrified look because they're expecting the worship team and they see me up here, then you'll know, whoops, they forgot. But no, I have the great privilege of... Uh, of, uh, sharing with you this, uh, this morning God's word and I appreciate Pastor Matt giving me this uh, opportunity I want to begin with a question whose job is it to help Hope Church grow whose responsibility is to help Hope Church be effective vibrant healthy pastoral team leadership elders how much responsibility do you have? How much responsibility do I have? We'll get back to that. In our passage this morning in the book of Acts, Luke writes about a challenge the early church had. And he begins this little section, verse 1 and verse 7, with bookend statements about the growing church, he begins, he says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, verse 1 and verse 7, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So the church was growing. But with growing comes growing pains. And we know some of those are from the outside. We already heard about some of those from the religious leaders. As the gospel was spreading, as people's lives were being changed, as miracles were happening, the religious establishment got threatened. And so early on they threatened the apostles and say, stop talking about Jesus. And their response was, Well, we can't help talking about what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced. The more miracles happen, the more the leaders getting threatened. So this time in chapter four and five, if you've been here the last couple weeks, the religious leaders had the apostles arrested, thrown in jail, and then flogged. Again, telling them, stop talking about Jesus. You know, the apostles left the jail praising God, worthy of being able to suffer for Christ. So so we know those external challenges the church was facing, but as they grew, they also faced some internal challenges because the more people (laughs) means more needs, right? We are needy people. We got physical needs, emotional needs, people coming from different backgrounds. We got prejudices and biases starting to collide, and that's happening in, in the early church here. So Luke chooses to record one of the challenges that the church had, one of the internal challenges. And in doing so, I think it, it gives us really four very important lessons from a growing church that are still incredibly applicable for us. Today. So if you could follow along, let me read these uh, seven verses, and then we'll look at those uh, four lessons this morning. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The first lesson here is that a growing church keeps the main thing the main thing. We learn from chapter 4 and 5 that as people's lives were being changed by the gospel, they were, they were selling their possessions, lands and buildings and homes that they didn't need, and they were bringing the proceeds and setting them at the apostles' feet. It actually says that three times almost in a couple of verses. Laying it at the apostles' feet. Well, it was the responsibility of the apostles then to, to distribute those funds to meet people's needs. That's a great problem to have, isn't it? But as more people, as lives were being changed, this was happening more and more, and there were more needs, and so the apostles were like getting a little overwhelmed having to be able to spend so much time doing this, not wanting to neglect the ministry of sharing about Jesus. You know, it is important to meet people's needs, especially... Crucial needs like this. You know, sometimes Deanna and I would, she talked about the kids, she talked about first world problems and third world problems, right? I mean, third world problems is people having not enough to eat. You know, first world problems are kind of like the ones that we have, really, most of the time. I mean, for example, you know, we just had the opportunity of building a house, and so we had to get new appliances. So now I have this refrigerator who, when I go and look for things in the refrigerator, it starts yelling at me because I'm looking too long. I mean, it's almost like, is my mom here? I, mean, I feel like I'm an eight years old again. I mean, sometimes even to make a sandwich, you got to get a tomato, you got to get the mayonnaise, you got to get the meat. I mean, you got to get all these things, the cheese. And it starts yelling at me. Now every time I come to the refrigerator, I kind of get anxious. It's like, is it going to be yelling at me again? i got to hurry up. You know, as opposed to that, we got this stove that remains absolutely quiet most of the time. So let's just say hypothetically, when the female in my house comes home and wants to broil a bagel and puts the bagel in there. And recently our kid said, you know what these new appliances, you don't have to keep the, the broiler, you don't got to keep the op- op- oven open to crack, like supposedly you used to. So she closed it. Well, and proceeded to forget. <laughs> she went on Facebook, you know, and started doing this thing on Facebook. And forget. So you would think we would have an oven that would kind of say, beep, 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 <laughs> your bagels are burning to a crisp. Or maybe you could start coughing. <coughs> You know, know, a little like, (laughs) it's getting a little hard to breathe around here. No. Quiet. Until she opened the stove, uh, oven. And then we realized that our smoke detectors do work. (laughs) We got that down. All of them in the whole house started beeping as the house was flooded with smoke. That's a first world problem. (laughs) Whereas here, this was a real problem. I mean, these widows... uh, you know, their husbands had passed away, and most of them did not have any way to provide for themselves, no inheritance, they didn't have jobs, they didn't have social security to fall back on. They were really at the mercy of other people. And so the church was wanting, obviously, to meet this need. But the apostles were wrestling with this. What is the ultimate mission of, our, of the church? The mission that Jesus gave them in Matthew 28 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. You know, preaching the good news of, of Christ. And not necessarily food kitchens, clothing banks, digging wells. I mean, all those things are important, which we'll see in, in meeting people's needs and love. But not at the expense or to the neglect of preaching the Word of God. I mean, in Matthew 25, Jesus did talk about the importance of of giving someone a cup of of water in the name of Christ, of clothing someone, of visiting those who are in prison or those who are sick in the name of Christ as an expression of His love, but not to the neglect of Of preaching his word. As a matter of fact, those things are supposed to be avenues of which we can then share the good news of Christ. Because people can have full stomachs, even though they have empty hearts. We can refresh them with a glass of cold water, but their soul is what needs to be refreshed. We can help fix their house, but it's really their lives and their families and their relationships and their marriages. That need to be fixed in Christ. We can give them rides to the store, but ultimately they need to know how to get it to heaven through Christ. Temporary needs are very important to address, but never to the exclusion of the greatest need of their eternal salvation. You know, the challenge for us today is that in our culture, church, you know, people like churches that are meeting needs. You know, they, they like that but they no longer like churches that really are speaking about Jesus as the one way to be saved. Which the apostles just said, Jesus is the one name given under heaven by which we can be saved. How can we stop talking about that? And so that will be a challenge for churches today to continue to speak about Jesus making the main thing the main thing. The second lesson a growing church keeps learning new ways to love each other. You know, they were doing a, a great job because the gospel not only makes our relationship with God the Father right, but God invites us into his family. We are to be brothers and sisters. At the same love that he loved us when sending Christ, the same love that Christ had when he showed the greatest extent of his love on the cross, Jesus says, now you have that love to share with others. At the Last Supper, he said, as I, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another by this all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Paul later to the Galatians said, therefore as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Because something powerful happens when people on the outside see people who used, once were dominated by sinful, selfish hearts now giving Being generous, sacrificing, thinking about other people before their own self. Something powerful happens when they hear the good news, but then they also see the good news being lived out. Up to this point, the church had done a great job. Acts 2, all the believers were together. And had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Chapter 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the church was thousands by now. Not a single needy person. Because they were doing a great job at loving each other. But they continued to grow. As they continued to grow, they started having challenges in this. They needed to figure out how do we keep loving each other. The apostles could no longer be the ones providing oversight for this aspect of the ministry while continuing to preach the word of God about Jesus. Growing churches need to keep learning of new ways to love one another. Churches always need to be asking, how can we do a better job at loving each other? And it's one of the reasons we just took the offering during times of communion, so we can love each other as needs become aware. It's one of the reasons that hope has the emphasis on life groups, because sometimes Sunday morning can kind of be, you know, a mass of humanity. But you get plugged into a smaller group of people, where you get to know them and their needs, and they get to know you and your needs and the challenges you're facing, we can do a much better intentional job at loving each other in those groups. But not only that, the group can love other people as, as we're aware of other needs of people maybe in our community. The life group can love on those. And a watching world sees the power of the gospel being lived out. The third lesson, a growing church keeps breaking down barriers with the gospel. This challenge in Acts 6 was not just about meeting needs. It was about breaking down cultural and racial barriers. It was about breaking down prejudices because that's what Jesus came to do. Ephesians 2.14 says that he himself is our peace That he's the one who came to just conquer the dividing walls of hostility between us. We'll see this challenge throughout the book of Acts. The early church was pretty much Hebraic Jews. And they had to learn that this Jesus thing was not just for them. (laughs) But it was also for other kinds of Jews. It was for Samaritans, half-breeds. Not only that, it was for Gentiles, those dogs. That's what they used to call them, dogs before God. That this Jesus was, was for them. The church is going to wrestle with this, which we'll see in the upcoming weeks. But here they, they began to wrestle because there were two groups of Jews here in the early church, the Hebraic Jews. They were the ones who kept culturally pure. They kept their Jewish culture And didn't get get invaded or, or they would say, contaminated by the cultures around them. They thought they were more holy, more righteous, more loved by God because of it. Whereas the the Grecian Jews, these were ones who, even years back, you remember when Babylonia destroyed Jerusalem, they took a bunch of Jews back to Babylonia? Well, some of those Jews, even when they were given the permission to go back to Jerusalem, they didn't. They stayed there and raised their families. And they kind of adopted the culture around them. Then the Greek Empire came through and swept the Babylonians. And many of the Jews adopted the Greek culture. And the same thing was happening with the Roman culture. They adopted the culture around them. Well, those Hebraic Jews looked down on the Grecian Jews. And so here we have, you know what, you often look after those who are like you. And so they were looking after the Hebraic widows well, but not so much the Grecian Jews and their widows. The early church had to wrestle with this. And we see in this example here, they did a a great job at destroying these barriers. They were saying these things are no longer going to divide us as followers of Christ. There's a beautiful vision that John gives us in Revelation chapter 7. He says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, all praising Him as one. What the church does under the guidance of the Holy Spirit here is very important. They pick seven faithful men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. But most believe, due to their names, most commentators believe, that these men were all from the Grecian Jewish group. This was a powerful first step for the Hebraic Jews to realize and to open up that God's family is for all people. A powerful statement of unity in this young body of Christ. The fourth lesson here. A growing church keeps sharing responsibility for ministry. If a church is going to grow and be healthy, it will take more people finding meaningful ministry A church cannot continue to grow with the same people doing the same thing. It takes sharing responsibility. Paul would later encourage the Ephesian elders. He says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How is hope going to experience the fullness of Christ here in what God wants to do in us and through us? It will take every person finding their place of meaningful ministry. When these men chosen by the church came to Christ, they were filled with the same Spirit as the apostles. The Bible says that the Spirit gives gifts to those who come to Him. And I like to say that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church in people. That you are to be a gift to this church. So the apostles did something very visible here. They laid their hands on them and prayed, a very visible sign of passing on this responsibility to these men, sharing ministry together. As a result, there was more peace and even more growth. Luke says a number of priests became believers in Jesus kind of adds that at the end. I mean, think about it. These were men who, they had a lot to lose. Being priests in the synagogue, the temple, that was their life. That was their livelihood. And now they become followers of Christ. They had a lot to lose. But when you encounter Jesus, nothing else matters. Because you realize who He is. And what he's done for you. So what does this mean for us today? It's a nice story of what happened back then. What does it mean for us today? Well, when I say the word church, what do you think of? Think of a building? I love the, the title of this sermon series A Church Without Walls. I mean, this isn't a building. It's about us, about me, it's about you. We are the church. Not just the elders, not just the leaders. We are the church. So that means that every point I made applies to you this morning. It applies to us. Point number one, I must keep the main thing the main thing. It's up to me in my life as well as the church to keep the main thing the main thing. In other words, there's nothing more important that I can do in my life than to share the good news of Christ with another human being. That means as I build friendships with someone, how do I see them? Now sometimes we see people through all sorts of rubrics, you know, money and what maybe you're into cars, what car they drive and all this stuff. But when we become followers of Christ, there's really only one main thing that matters. Have they had the opportunity to embrace what Jesus did for them? Do they even know about it? Maybe you're the one as you build that friendship to share what Jesus has done for them. That's the main thing. That's the most important thing you could do with your relationship with your co-worker. The most important thing you could ever do is share Jesus with them. Those you live around, those you work with. It's up to me to keep the main thing the main thing. Number two, I must keep learning new ways to love others. Whose job is it to help Hope Church be a loving church? As far as I know, there isn't a director of love. I don't think Mark has that title. Maybe, maybe Emily calls him the director of love. I don't know. But you could ask her. But whose job is it to, to help us love each other? It's up to every single one of us. Every one of us helps Hope to be a loving church, the most loving place in the tri-state area. Wouldn't it be great if that's what people said about Hope Church, about us? It's because everyone takes that seriously. Maybe, maybe you're not in a life group. Maybe you need to think about that, pray about that. Because that's a great way to be intentional and say, I'm going to get to know a group of people here at Hope Church and just love on them. Try to be a blessing to them. Maybe you've tried one in the past. Maybe it didn't work out. Maybe you need to try again. Because that's what love does. Love doesn't give up. It keeps trying. It keeps going after it. It keeps pursuing. Looking for ways to sacrifice. Number three, I must keep breaking down barriers. Keep breaking down barriers, which really takes really an honest evaluation for each one of us to evaluate our prejudices and biases, the filters that we see through people. You know, I would love to say I'm not a prejudiced person. I don't have biases. It was kind of easy to say that. We lived in Huxley for 20 years, and pretty much everybody in Huxley kind of looked like me. So I could easily say, I don't have biases. <laughs> it's because everybody was like me. That's one of the things I was kind of excited when we were going to move to Dubuque because I know culturally there's a little bit more variety, opportunity to be stretched. It was a couple of weeks ago where I saw a couple of young men walking down the street and they were different than I were. One of the ways is that their shorts were, were down here. And I'm talking about the top of their shorts. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You know, I'm like driving, i like, I see your whole underwear. I wanted to say, hey, do you know that I see your underwear? I mean, I see all of it. Not just a little bit. Like, I see the whole thing, you know. And it's amazing your thoughts, and you just start going and going. And, and, and you know, pretty soon I'm like, you know, what is he doing? But I don't know. I don't know the path that he's walked. I don't know the culture that he's grown up in. I don't know what none of the role models he's had or anything. You begin to think, you know, I'm more important to God. I'm more loved to God. I'm I'm more special to God. All these awful, sinful thoughts. I'm like, Jesus loves this kid just as much as He loves me. What am I doing to help Him to understand that? So maybe we need to challenge. Maybe you need to challenge. I know I need to challenge myself to be stretched. To 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 regularly. Interact with others who are different and to help realize that vision in in Revelation 7. Lastly, I must keep looking for responsibilities to serve and to strengthen the church. How are you helping to strengthen the ministry here? Let's get back to the question I asked. How are you helping? making hope a stronger church. Are you sharing responsibility? If you're a follower of Christ and you consider Hope Church your home church, you need to understand that you've been given a gift to be a gift here. How are you gifted? Do you know? If you don't know, I challenge you to find out make that your mission, to see how you can be part of the ministry. Maybe that just takes experimenting, just giving something a shot, trying it. As you hear about a need, thinking, well, maybe. If you're in a life group, maybe you can talk to them and say, what do you guys think? I, what do you think I'd be good at? How can I help? How can I strengthen the ministry? Because one of the things that Jesus is going to have a conversation with each one of us eventually When we meet him, it will be how did you love my bride? How did you strengthen my church with what I gave you? The spirit I put in you, the experiences I allowed you to grow from. Did you share the responsibility of the mission that I gave the church? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, beautiful story that you guided Luke to include in his record of the early church that has been passed on to us, that we can learn from, that we can be challenged by. Lord, as we seek to carry on the same mission that the early church was doing, but here in the tri-state area. Lord, as we sense our responsibility, Lord, we know the greatest relationship that you've given us is a relationship with you through your Son. By your grace, as we celebrated in communion, nothing we could ever do, but only by your love and grace. And then you graciously put us in the body of Christ, in a family where we can experience your blessings and your goodness together and what it means to follow you. And then you invite us to join the journey, the mission, the greatest mission that we could ever be part of. Lord, may we be challenged by the early church and what they did. May we be challenged today to share to learn to love, keep the main thing, the main thing in our life, break down barriers and share in this responsibility so that one day we may hear those glorious words, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.